KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon. You're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We're with you for the next couple of hours. Take you right up until noon, as we do every Monday through Friday, 10 to noon, uh, here on 1460. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list coming up this morning, we talk some NFL with Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. He will join the program at about 1025. We'll recap week number one, which concluded uh, late last night, early this morning. Uh, we'll do that with Frank Schwab, 1025. It's Cyhawk week. Really, Ken? I didn't know. <laughs> um, Chuck Hartley will join the program. Program. Former Hawkeye quarterback played in the late 80s. Uh, 88 was his final year up in Iowa City, so we'll get Chuck Hartley been here to get his take on what he's seen from this uh, 2009 Hawkeye uh, team so far and get his thoughts on the game. At 11.10, Zuba Mahente from ESPN will go inside. You know, some of the college game day stuff. Zubin's got some nuggets that he wants to share with the audience, and we'll go around the world of football with Zubin. And then Austin Arnod, a former Cyclone signal caller, is back on kicks, you know, at 1140 today. Look forward to that. Austin was the original Cyclone voice of the Monday morning quarterback. Uh, there is, uh, has a new name, but still airs in the same time slot uh, Mondays right here uh, at 5 o'clock. So a pretty good guest list today, a couple of former QBs. Uh, Zubin on sports and Frank Schwab on the NFL. Trent Condon, good to see you this morning. How are you? Oh, tired, but good, good. Yeah, the little boy didn't want to sleep last night, so it was... Did his, did his Broncos let him down? <laughs> Maybe that's what it was already, my, my stepdad, trying to get him into the Rams fandom, as he did with my daughter, Ella, her favorite player, Todd Gurley, one of her baby dolls named Todd Gurley. Is that right? Yeah, she's got a Todd Is Gurley the dog jersey. Got bad knees, and uh, I I gave him the wrist slap over the week. I said, "Knock it off! You, you already got Ella. That's enough. That's enough." Jack is going to be with me for our fandom going forward. But up late last night, and I had it incredibly. Seriously, the last place NFC North Chicago Bears. <laughs> well, maybe that's a bad idea. He'd be a Vikings fan like his mom. But... The first place yes. NFC North. So I'm up late last night with him, and I got Sports Center on, mm-hmm. and I see something scrolling on the bottom. And apparently this had been scrolling during Monday Night Football. You mentioned it to me, Trent, and I did not see it. I saw some screen grabs of it during the game that we were both watching. Mm -hmm. It was when they were talking about Trent Brown coming in. Yep. I remember vividly. I I remember that part of the game. But I wasn't looking at the bottom line at that time. Nor was I. So Ken and I are both DirecTV subscribers. And will be. And the majority of people in our listening audience, I believe, are. Yes. If you're a big sports fan... It is a necessity. Now, some people live in apartments or condos that can't get DirecTV, and you feel for them, but mm-hmm. that is, it's for NFL Sunday ticket, for just everything, for you and hockey and, and NBA, and whatever it may be, MLB package, it is great to have. But we're coming to perhaps a big crossroads here. Matt, Trent, this is, this is awful news. Apparently, AT&T, DirecTV. Parent company, yep. And ESPN, Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. Couple are, of couple of heavy heads, yes, I would say, are at a standstill. Yeah. A carriage going forward at the end of this month. If you have Directv, ESPN, 
very well could be off. Think about, uh, say that again, Trent, because I'm not sure it's sinking in, because no one wants to believe what you just said. No. In the middle of football season. ESPN. That means no Monday Night Football, no Sports Center. No, but keep, now, now fast forward to Saturdays. College football, ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN2. All of them. Gone. Off your Friday television. Night, Saturday, Monday Night Football, wild card in the American League, I believe. Yes. They've got that. <sighs> So what do we do with Zubin? Do we give him the month off? It's <laughs> just done. Trent, this is awful news. It, it is, and this is something that I've always enjoyed about ESPN. There's been fights, mostly fights though with local stations. Uh-huh. Now that happens regardless of the carrier. That happens if you have cable, if you have satellite, whatever. These kind of things happen. Dish Network is deal dealt with that with and still is the regional mm-hmm. networks. They're, they're still not back on. And that has been happening now for months, right? Into July. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going into that, and these kind of things can happen for a while. I am hopeful these things have happened with DirecTV, though not with ESPN. But has it ever happened in football season? I don't think I so. I do not recall that being the case. And here's why I'm optimistic. I'm scared, mm-hmm. but I'm optimistic at the same time. Because we're talking about King Football. Yes. And King Football is unbeaten. Mm-hmm. They never, King Football never loses. And I cannot see how anybody's business model would be getting ahead by not allowing us, who pay for this product, mm-hmm. to watch football. And pay handsomely. We do. For, and you know what? I don't care. Right. That, that is the one thing that I put my foot down at home. All right. Cut money here. Cut money there. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, this is the one thing. That's me. I decide what we have for our television, and we're going to have direct TV. And, and just yesterday, Tara brought me an ad for Hulu and Hulu Plus and all these things, and YouTube TV. Wait, here's the thing that direct TV can't afford. For somebody like me that maybe would be willing to or at least entertain the thought, probably during maybe summertime, and, and give it a shot. So your generation, is that where you're yeah, going? Yeah, yeah. You know, people, 30-somethings yes. and, and younger? Because I certainly won't. But I would, I would maybe give it a shot. But if I give it a shot here because I have to and I, I take a free trial of YouTube TV. And, and then you like it? Boy, this is sharp. Yeah. And, and it's cheaper. And paying 50 bucks a month as opposed to 200 I know. I know. Wow. Maybe I have to re-go down this road again and then DirecTV's just lost another subscriber. They can't afford to lose subscribers. That's where the hope is. That they know their business model is already in enough trouble with all the cable cutters that are out there. Trent, ESPN owns college football. And that goes away, and people have to find different ways, and the people that find different ways say, ah, oh, this works out a lot better. I'm going to go this route. Think of the, uh, think of the uh, businesses, uh, corporations yes. that have bought football packages. Advertising Sunday. I'm talking about. Oh, yo, that, yes. I mean, and, and they, they buy that so their message can be heard when most people are watching that, and that's during football season. Mm-hmm. And, and how many refunds that'll have to be sent out because, and not, this isn't make good territory. No. This isn't going back in the, in the months ahead and making up with the spots. This is refunding, um, going back in contracts and, and refunding these businesses for the money that they've spent on that. And we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. Trent, I, I get why we're nervous and we should be because we've seen this before and who loses every single time? Mm. Raise your hand, listeners. Customers. viewers. It's us. Yes. It's us. They don't care. They use us as pawns. Whether it's DirecTV or whether it's Disney, they're going to use us as pawns. Think of bar owners Mm. where for Sundays, Sundays being a huge day for them, for people to come in, want to watch the games, watch all the games, their team's not on locally, whatever it may be. You're a big place like a Buffalo Wild Wings, or you're one of the local places here, and all of a sudden, sorry, 
Your yeah, Sunday. T- well, now, that's Saturday, not Sundays, because Direct yeah, right. TV's not yes. going. But Saturdays for yes. sure. Yes, and nope, game's not on. Blacked yeah. out. Right. How big of an impact that's going to be? Massive. For not just this week, but any Iowa and Iowa State game, and you go out to the local bars. There's been times gone out trying to have dinner on a Saturday evening, and Iowa State's playing, and don't even think about it because we were Hawkeye fans, so we watched the Iowa game, whatever it is, and places packed, can't get in anywhere. Now, those places, people are staying home, trying to get to the game, listening on radio. I mean, what Turn is the this? clock back? <laughs> That's the direction we very well. What would happen if there's an Iowa and Iowa State game and it's not on? It's an ESPN property and you won't be able to see it on DirecTV. What does Ken Miller do? I think he just curls up in a fetal position and puts his thumb in his mouth. I don't know, Trent, because I don't want to go out. But you might have to. Absolutely. For what we do, we have to be able to see the game. Mm -hmm. And this, we're talking about ESPN. (laughs) They own college football, for crying out loud. That's why King Football never gets... We'll see. This is not now. Here's the bigger story. Not the bigger story, but but again, we both watched these games last night. Now I was I, I was very uh, familiar with what was going on with the score bug mm-hmm. and the fact that it was look. I don't know what kind of was. Was it yellowish green? They they said it was neon green. Yeah, but it didn't look neon green on my TV. So it looked like a penalty flag every time it popped up. And flag? No, not a flag. I I don't know how many times I got duped by that stupid thing. But it had to be a half dozen. Yeah, it was it was weird. But here's the thing, Trent, and hats off to ESPN mm-hmm. because I guess the blowback, and this is one of the this is one of the good things that social media provides us, right? Mm-hmm. The country went crazy. Yes, Monday Night Football viewers went ballistic as to what are you trying to do here? Who in the world thought that this was a good idea? <laughs> but to their credit, they were reacting as as quickly as. You know, by by the time that the second half resumed of the Houston New Orleans game, which was a hell of a football game, yes, by the it way. was. But Deshaun Watson, if he if he doesn't get killed, this kid's going to be. I mean, he is good already. My, he's entertaining to watch. But point being is, they had fixed it, gone back to the original because change is difficult. I mm-hmm. get that. We don't like change. No. But this one was over the top. They realized the error of their ways and they fixed it in the middle of a game. Good for them. They did it. ESPN listen. Maybe they'll listen to their uh, base and So how much money do you think we're talking about? And look, everybody's, most of the people are listening to us are on budgets, right? Mm -hmm. We we live, a lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, you budget so much for your TV. Mm -hmm. And sure, we don't want all the channels that come with it. Next time I watch a sci-fi channel, be the first. Or a lot of these things. But... If that's part of the package that you have to purchase, do you know what we're... Is it a buck a month more? So ESPN, this is from this is from a couple of years ago. I mean, they get a handsome a chunk of our cable bill, of our, of our satellite bill. $7.21 per, per subscriber. Right. Yes, per subscriber. That's just for big ESPN. And this was two years ago. Yes. So this is in all the Disney channels. This is just ESPN? Just ESPN. And when it wow. involves ESPN2 and ESPNU... Then you're talking about over nine dollars an hour. Again, this is from nine two by, years $9 ago. Nine dollars a month, or nine? Yes, yes, per month. That's yeah, if it's nine dollars an hour, I think I'd probably draw the line there. <laughs> so at nine, I mean, is it? And that's that was two years ago. He so said so 2017. Say it's ten-ish now, with everything included, and they want to bump it to twelve. In, right? We're in, but 
there's a lot more no, I know. people than just I know. us. I We're agree. talking I'm still about you. a niche audience. Yes, true. And Grandma Millie. That doesn't watch ESPN. She doesn't watch ESPN. Couldn't care less. She's still paying that $12 a month, and, and with these continued increased fees that everybody's paying on DirecTV. Mm-hmm. And then who's next? You know, who comes next? Yeah. Because it's never-ending, seemingly, and uh, we get caught up in the middle of this. Well, look, just we've got, what, two weeks, essentially? Basically, yes. So they said that next Monday night is going to be okay. And yeah. John O'Ran, Sports Business Daily. This is such a difficult time to do anything but football guests on our show. Yes. But he's a really good guest when we can get him. Mm-hmm. He breaks all of these stories. Uh, Sports Business Daily, it's a pay site. But um, he's... I mean, this is this is what he does. He's based in Washington. He'd be a good get because a his alma mater, his football team is really good. He went to Maryland. Yes, absolutely. So maybe we can get him on that way. To, uh, you know, throw him that bone. Yeah, we'll talk about your Terps off to the start that they are. If you can do us a favor, and you know, is this real? Because it certainly seems like that. And now apparently, AT and T slash Directv are pissed at ESPN for making this what they had hoped to be. You know, kind of on a down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, because dispute. negotiations are still happening Apparently right now. Apparently they are, but ESPN wanted to get out in front of this one, and they certainly did because this upset a lot of people. Here's my point. We are not the only show that's going to talk about this today in the country. Right. In the, the country. This is a big talker. It is a big, Now, maybe big not story. on Cyhawk Week. I get it. Yes. Um, but, man, oh, man, no college football on Saturdays, no Monday night football. No game day. No game day, no wild card. I think that's the only game they have, right? Because that it is, switches yes. to does FS1 still have it? Yep. I think they do. And a couple of games are when there's that overlap. MLB Network has a few too. They do have a couple, and of course TBS has got some mm-hmm. as well as our buddy Brian Anderson who calls the Brewers. Yeah, uh, not our buddy, but he, we think, both think he's really good. Yeah, maybe someday. Hopefully, yeah, he's good. We should we should um, you know out. effort to have him on because he does uh, the NCAA men's basketball tournament as well as a really good broadcaster. Um, so how did you do last night gambling wise? The games were really not like the second game. I told you Denver stinks. It is going to be a long year. It's bad news. Even if you try to tank for two, you're not as bad as the Dolphins. Sadly, <laughs> because this historic team. I mean, think about this for the Dolphins fans. The only team that's had that unbeaten year and they popped the course. They could join. Who was the last team to go winless? Was it the Lions? It was the Lions. Yeah, the 2008 Lions. They're along those lines. Yeah. So the so the Dolphins could be both sides of the category, right? The only unbeaten team and join that list of teams that never won a football game because they look atrocious. And this isn't an overreact after week number one. If you saw that. That. P.U. I mean, everybody's they're abandoning ship, calling their agents, according to Mike Florio, telling them to get me the hell out of here. Uh, <laughs> not good. They're going to get to it. Denver is bad. They play the Bears this coming week. And, Who is also bad. Eh. And watching Deshaun Watson. Oh, boy. Just got to drive you nuts, right? Because oh, did, where did he go? 12? Yeah. Trubisky, uh, Trubisky went 2. Mahomes went 10? Something like that. Could have had either. But point being... Is it well? Here, let me let me throw a little bit more salt on the wound. Okay, Bears moved up from three to two, right? To get one, well, they didn't Trubisky. have to because the 49ers were not drafting quarterback no, at weren't. two. They weren't. They got fleece there. Yes, Ryan Pace picked his guy. Mm-hmm. His guy stinks. Yeah, he does. Well, he stunk. He stunk. He stunk on Thursday. He it was terrible. He needs to be better. He needs to be better in in a big way because they got a lot of parts of that football team. But I yeah, that that that's got to resonate when you see that, right? Mm-hmm. When you go back to the 2017 draft, Trubisky two, say Mahomes was ten. I think it's around that area, yeah. and then Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, boy, oh boy, those two quarterbacks in that game last night, uh, Watson v. Breeze, worth the price of admission. Trent Booger is bad. Booger McFarland is Booger doesn't do it for you, huh? No, he's bad. See, I I don't. 
I don't mind Booger. Yeah. I don't. Five minutes left in the first half of the first game of the year. I don't even remember the player because I was just incredulous. Look, I make mistakes like crazy all the time. I'm working in Des Moines in the 10 to noon slot, right? <laughs> I'm not on Monday night football. Two minutes left, three minutes left, first half of the game last night. Somebody, Trent, was having a really good year. Oh, yeah? He's <laughs> having a really good year. Well, hang on a second. We're not even 30 minutes into the year. Well, he, I mean, it was a truthful statement. I guess. He was time. having a good year. Not a good game, a good year. There were, there were a couple others. Uh, last, a young rookie, that always drives me nuts. Well, okay. A young rookie, really? You can be an old rookie. Not in the NFL too often. Uh, what what uh, was it? Didn't they make a Winky? Who? Uh, Winky? Oh, Winky? <laughs> Uh, the, he was the like 28, yeah. The quarterback from the state of Minnesota that went to Florida, Florida state. state. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Chris Winkie? Was yeah, that Chris Winkie, yeah. <laughs> See, you can, be, you can be an old rookie or a young rookie. If you're 19 as opposed to 22, you're a young rookie. I guess, I guess. Maybe I'm picking nits, but it was just... <laughs> Your booger hatred. I'm just nah, ha- not I'm, hatred. I'm just, just happy Witten's out of there. Because he was, to me, he was a disaster. And I still, I enjoyed Joe Tess when he was... The Friday night the ESPN Friday night, college football game of the night. A random Mountain West game. Wherever he was. Didn't but, he do Iowa State, Oklahoma State? He, he did, did, yeah. Yep. Those kind of games. Yep. Not Monday night football. No, it's a, it's a bad team, Trent. And maybe they're just waiting on Eli Manning to retire. Therefore, mm. Peyton would give them the thumbs up. Because that's why Peyton Manning has turned him down, apparently. He doesn't oh, want really? to be critical of his brother. Oh, well, Which I get. Yeah. Be, Which I get. I mean, Peyton Manning in the booth. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm right. in. Um. Yeah, that, that he's he's got me. So. I thought you were going to say the Eli in the booth. No, I don't know about Sounds that. Sounds worse than Booger. Yeah, that 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 wouldn't be a good booth. All right, Cyhawk wise, really no news from yesterday. Nope. Both teams are going to have their press conferences today. Uh, Matt Campbell meets with the Iowa State media coming up here in uh, in about an hour, I think. Right? It's before noon or is it afternoon? Yeah, before, before noon. And Ference is late. Uh, later, it's about two o'clock. I believe it's right at two o'clock. He'll meet with uh, the Iowa media or who's ever over there today, and then we'll know more about that tomorrow. I don't know if there's going to be any news broken at either one of these two. Iowa State's depth chart has come out. And Newell's still on it. It's I mean, a depth doesn't char- matter. Right? It, it, it's a depth chart. Mm-hmm. And we, since we don't go down, we decided not to go down the path of you know a transparency when it comes to sports wagering as far as these injuries this year uh, they can put whatever they want and we we've learned that through the past two decades with Kirk Ferentz don't read a whole lot into what mm-hmm. you see in the depth chart feels like the same kind of thing with Matt Campbell it is a piece of paper don't read too much into it basically at least i know i was done this in the past all this is is kind of the end of the game how it kind of turned out that's the too deep for the following week probably the same kind of thing here with Iowa State now maybe I mean, we'll see with Newell. And and the kid that came in, in overtime, mm-hmm. he... Uh, Derek, uh, what's Derek? Schlager? Yes. He came in there and he was moving bodies. I mean, he came in, that was for a few snaps. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different out there, 60, 70 snaps, whatever it may be. But for a couple of snaps, he was out there and he was moving piles. And he looked very good for a guy that we'd really never seen before. No, but you don't want him in there. You wouldn't. Th- well, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll know. If, uh, find out if there's any news along those lines. Schweiger, not Schlager. Schweiger, Schweiger. Is, is how you say his last name. Is a red shirt. Like sophomore. Brown Schweiger. You ever have Brown Schweiger? I have not. What is it? I don't know. It's some kind of spread. It's like this gross thing you put on crackers. It's like no. a meat substitute or something. No, I've never. You know what? Speaking of never, um, I, did you the Monday night halftime show last night? And this is, I think, a product of being sixty, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and and Susie. 
Colbert was making a big deal of what they're going to do at halftime. Some of the biggest acts in the business are going to be joining us here at at halftime. And tonight we've got one of the bigger acts in the business. G Easy didn't didn't do it for you. you ever heard of him? No, no, neither have I. No. Some of the biggest acts in the business. Wow, wow, they got who they got? The Eagles, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. <laughs> you know, they they weren't talking G-Eazy. about G Easy. G Easy. Boy, we're old. We're you're old. Uh, Frank Schwab's going to join us next. Chuck Hartley in about oh, 25 minutes. We'll get the former Hawkeye signal caller from the late 80s. Uh, he will join the program at about 1045-ish. Zubin Mahente is here. Austin Arnod will be here at 1140. It's Cyhawk Week. Miller and Condon. It's 21 minutes after the hour at 10 o'clock. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is the song that he performed. Yes, I guess you is. call that performance. Yes. Uh, Frank Schwab going to join the program. Frank from Yahoo Sports. I bet Frank Talk. liked it. I bet he didn't. Frank, good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Nothing. We're just reminiscing about G-Easy's G- work at <laughs> halftime last night. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, I want to save some time for your Wisconsin Badgers, who look like the real deal in the Big Ten West at least two weeks into the season. So that in a second. But let's recap week number one of the NFL. And Frank, you know, my biggest single takeaway, and I'm anxious to see yours, is we're right back where we left off, right? And maybe the Patriots might be even scarier uh, than they were to end the season last year. The beat just goes on. I'm at the point of um, I'm no longer sick of this. I'm just going to sit back and appreciate the greatness that this franchise is year after year. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, they look like a machine on Sunday night. And look, I'm not in this camp where Antonio Brown is going to be fine all season. Like, like, I don't know why this is the reaction. He basically was, was, was so disruptive and destructive for five weeks straight in Oakland, even with the threat of losing $30 million. He goes to the Patriots, and everybody just assumes he's going to be fine all season. I, I don't. I'm not willing to jump on that train yet. He could get cut by Friday. Wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I, I mean, nothing would surprise me at this guy anymore. But, but if he is, if he does decide, hey, I'm going to play football now. I'm I'm going to leave all this nonsense behind and actually play. How can anybody stop them? I, I mean, their defense looks incredible. Their offense is just, it's really good. I, I mean, there's no doubt about that. So, I, it, at this point, you look at their schedule, you look at the rest of the AFC, and you say, who, who's going to beat them for the number one seed? And we all know if the, if the AFC goes through Foxborough, well, you know, good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Chiefs, the Chiefs probably have to go like 14-2 and two at this point to make sure they get the number one seed. So uh, it, it's just, it, it almost feels inevitable, doesn't it? it just, it's just this... We keep expecting the Patriots to take a step back, and they just never do. That weekend for Antonio Brown was absolutely wild. Take us in for you as an NFL writer covering everything going on, what your weekend was like dealing with all the drama that was Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those stories. Like, I've dealt with a lot of stories that are constant. You know, Ray Rice and uh, Aaron Hernandez uh, back when. And, and this is something totally different in that it's not like something legal. It's something that just... It was changing every half hour, it seemed. I mean, there, all of a sudden, Antonio Brown's putting up something on YouTube, and <laughs> then the next day he's asked for a release, and then they release him, and then who's going to sign him, and then it's the Patriots five minutes after he basically is available. It was just, 
it's just crazy how this story has changed. And it's, that's why I'm not, again, I'm not in this camp where Antonio Brown's just going to be okay. Like this was all some crazy genius mastermind scheme for weeks and weeks and weeks. No, it was not. Like this guy cannot act like a professional. And once he starts missing meetings, once he starts doing crazy stuff, posting stuff on YouTube, posting stuff on Instagram, how's Bill Belichick going to react? Are they going to put up with this like Mike Tomlin did for many years, like John Gruden tried to do all summer? I don't know. I, I, I do not buy at any point that this was all some plot by Antonio Brown over the summer. Like, maybe in the last few hours when he got himself released, okay, fine. But, again, I just, I'm not, following the story and how crazy it's been, I just don't know that Antonio Brown is willing to act like a professional even in New England. That maybe, but I don't think Bill Belichick has some some magic dust that's going to make him be a good teammate. So we'll see. But again, it's probably worth a gamble, New England, because they don't even really need him. Hmm. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest. Frank, let's uh, knock off maybe three teams in one question. Just your take on the NFC North after one week. You know, it was, it was bad football on Thursday night, but bad football is better than no football, so I was all in. I thought the Vikings looked good. Your thoughts on the NFC North from what we saw in week one? Yeah, I think the most under-talked about, I guess, if that's a word, uh, story of week one is Minnesota. I watched that game, as you guys probably did too, and a lot of people listening probably did. And I was like, this team is absolutely destroying the Atlanta Falcons. We're a bad team. Like, they're a good, talented team. They could have named the score if they wanted to. They had Kirk Cousins throw 10 times because they were like, well, this game's done. It was 28 zip, and it seemed like it was 49 zip. I, they were absolutely positively destroyed them. Now, we see things happen in week one. You know, games get out of hand, whatever. But it just looked like, you know, I was high on the Vikings last year, picking them win the Super Bowl, and now I'm wondering if I was just a year too early. Like, that that's how good they looked, and nobody's talking about it, which is weird to me. It kind of happened, and I don't know why. It was, uh, you know, two pretty high-profile teams, a lot of stars, but that's the one thing nobody's talking about who played the best in Week 1. And I'm interested to see where that goes. Our Packers look really good, too, but their offense, you know, was it – kind of some malaise because they're learning Matt LaFleur's system, or was that the Bears' defense? Maybe a combination. We're probably going to find out on Sunday. That Packers-Vikings game is going to be really interesting. I'm not giving up on the Bears yet either. Look, they had a bad game. That happens, especially in the opener. We'll see what they do in Denver, who looked absolutely terrible last night. But I think it's going to be a great, great three-team race. And I think the team that maybe exceeded expectations for me the most in week one, except maybe the Tennessee Titans. It was probably Minnesota who looked like a championship contender. Another team that played incredibly well was the Baltimore Ravens, Oof. but they had the Dolphins. Yeah. It was the Dolphins, <laughs> and there's going to be, I think, a lot of those conversations this year. How much do you read into what we saw out of Lamar Jackson? Didn't look like a wide receiver running back out there playing quarterback anymore. No, he sure didn't. And, you know, I never understood why he was given no patience whatsoever. He's a, a rookie, late first-round pick, who was thrown into the lineup in midseason. That's a tough deal. The Ravens devised an offense to play to his strengths. And it was, it was really smart and good, and they won the division, went to the playoffs. And then the whole offseason was like, oh, he can't pass the ball. Who said that? Like, why would that be the outcome after, what, eight career starts, nine career starts? He improved every year at Louisville. It was perfectly reasonable that he could improve from year one to year two. No, I don't think he's good. He's the guy we saw Sunday. I don't think he's thrown up a perfect passer rating the whole season or anything. But he doesn't need to be that guy. He needs to be an above-average passer. And if he's an above-average passer, and there's no reason to believe he can't be, he's unstoppable at that point. He is he is the biggest weapon in the NFL if he's an above-average passer. He doesn't need to be great. He needs to be good. 
And I think we saw that he can be that. And that they have weapons around him now that they necessarily didn't have last year. I'm interested to see what comes of this. I, yes, the Dolphins are terrible, and maybe it was just them. But I'm really kind of in on Lamar Jackson. I think that he could have a really, really big year. By the end of the year, we're saying... This guy's one of the most unstoppable dudes in the NFL. Hmm, very interesting. Uh, let's move on to the Chiefs. And look, their offense was great. Um, Pat Mahomes got to, got to do away with the you know the no look pass. It was it was really good last year. It was it was great. It was great theater. We saw it over and over again. He's got Kelsey all by himself in the back of the end zone. He just needs to throw him the ball. But what's concerning, Frank, and you wrote about it in your power rankings. I'm glad you did because Gardner Minshew, who was you know Leach turned him around at Washington State. In his first start, he comes in and he tore up that Chiefs secondary. What do we make of that? Is that maybe the biggest story to come out of this game? The fact that they maybe still have some issues uh, in that secondary in Kansas City. And, and not just that, but the Tyree Kill injury is pretty significant. I mean, I know Sammy Watkins let it slip that he's going to be out. So he said something like seven weeks. I don't know if Sammy Watkins is a doctor, so he might not know. But I, he's a big part of what they do. He kind of opens everything up. So I think that's the biggest story. But second, yeah, I, Minshew came in, and he was just – I was shocked at how he was efficient he was. And he was not just thinking and dunking. He was getting the ball downfield a little bit. Now, that 20-25 to 25 wasn't just, hey, he's throwing behind the line every down. He was – he was he really looked good. Maybe he's a good player. I don't know. I mean, that's possible. But, I, yes, I think that's – it's a concern for the Chiefs moving forward. Again, we, we go back to their first question. Talk about the Patriots. This Chiefs team is going to have to be just about perfect to beat the Patriots. Uh, it already looks that way. They they have to assume right now, hey, we we can't go 11-5 and five or 12-4 and four even and expect to get them to one seed. We need to they go at least 13-3. and three. And I don't know if you can do that if your defense isn't good. Now it's one game. I don't want to overreact. But, yeah, it was a little troubling how Minshew came in and just looked fantastic. I, I know not much film on him. They didn't prepare. But, yeah, it's worth watching going forward just to see if they can they can kind of right that ship. Frank, it's uh, going to be certainly a fun NFL season. The Cleveland Browns, one of those big concerns. Too much too soon. The offensive line was a disaster. Baker Mayfield throwing pick sixes. Can they turn it around? I think they can. I, I, I'm not really, you know, I, things happen in week one that we'll look back on in two months and say, how did that happen? Like what? And I kind of think that maybe we'll look back at that game as one of those. I still think this team's really good. I, are, are there concerns for sure? I, I mean, is Freddie Kitchens just a terrible hire? It's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was an anonymous running backs coach in the middle of last season. And is their offensive line incapable? It might be. Like it's it's a real problem. I didn't really like the fact that they traded Seitler, even though Olivia Vernon is a good player. It just seemed like they're saying oh, the offensive line doesn't matter. You know, it kind of does when somebody's in Baker Mayfield's lap every down. So uh, there are obvious concerns there. But this is a talented team. That uh, you know that that game got away from them for sure. They did not play well. There's no doubt about that. But. We see teams struggle week one and then go on and have five seasons. The Minnesota Vikings up there, the, the Teddy Bridgewater year, they, they went to San Francisco in week one and, and got destroyed. Carlos Hyde had a big game, and, and they were fine after that. So I'm kind of looking at the Browns that way. And I, I, I just i am not willing to, to dump them yet. There's just too much talent there for them to look at that. Now, if that happens again next week, week after that, yeah, sure, uh, we'll readjust. But... I think I'm not going to overreact on them quite yet. They're just too talented to be that bad. We have 20 seconds left. Your Wisconsin Badgers have yet to be scored on, Frank. They're outscoring their opposition 110 to zero off this week before Michigan comes to Madison. Terrific start for your Badgers. 
Yeah, no doubt. And hey, let's get the Jonathan Taylor for Heisman talk going because <laughs> ooh, he's good. I, I'm having trouble deciding if, if he's better than Ron Dane. Is, is he the greatest running back in Wisconsin history? I'm not sure yet. Good stuff, Frank. Thank you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Frank Schwab, yahoosports.com. We'll take a timeout. Chuck Hartlieb into Cyhawk Week We Dip. Uh, that's coming up next. Austin Arnott in an hour. Zubin Mahente between that. Miller and Condon. It's uh, 21 minutes before the hour of 11 on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Austin Arnod, former Cyclone Signal caller coming up as promised. Let's get Chuck Hartley been here, quarterbacked in this game in the late 80s a couple of times, 87-88. And Chuck joins us. Chuck Trenton Ken, good to catch up with you. Chuck Hartley, how are you? Great, great. Thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate you coming on. I always love to catch up with you a couple of times during the season, usually once early, and then to see the uh, the improvements that have been weighed in, uh, seen in your mind. But, you know, 2-0, and Chuck, I don't know where you thought this team was going to be going into the season. Uh, they're better than I thought, for what it's worth. Uh, the, the running game is, is better. The receiver room is way deeper, and this was, you know, Oliver Martin uh, notwithstanding. Uh, some of the guys that were there in the past have taken steps forward uh, in that receiving room yeah definitely i uh i was excited about this year because it's uh i always feel bad for the quarterbacks uh they're just one of 11 but you know over the last three four <laughs> maybe even 10 years um we just haven't had the depth and the talent at the wide receiver spot which makes it awfully difficult to play quarterback and this year it just was optimistic with kids like tracy and regani and uh smith coming back um then Martin joining the fold, I, I thought some good things could happen, and um, it has. You know, it's it sure would be nice to have either Hawkinson and Fant still out there. I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine what that would look like, but you know, they're, they're, they are. I mean, they are obviously you can tell too. They've dipped on the tight end side. That uh, neither of those guys are going to play in the NFL by or or, or waiting. But uh, hopefully, uh, the lack of tight end depth uh, uh, will be overcome by his great wide receiver play throughout the year. You know, as you're evaluating quarterback play, we see Nate Stanley now in his third year as a starter. Improvement certainly there, yet there's still a couple of question marks with him. One thing that always jumped out, going back and looking at your numbers, remember your time at Iowa there in the late 80s, is just how accurate you were. Accuracy as a quarterback, is that fundamentals? Is there more to it? What's it take to be an accurate quarterback? That's a great question. You know, it's I don't think it's something you can practice as far as mm-hmm. You either got it or you don't, and um, um, I think it's been challenging. Obviously, I, there's plenty of balls Nate probably would want to have back, but um, I, I do think that the, if you had to just take the 80s and compare them to today, I think it's a lot easier to be accurate when you've got guys you know, wide open by a yard or two. Uh, it makes you feel more comfortable. makes you more confident in your game that you know these guys are going to be there. And, uh, you know, again, I'm going to stand up for Nate. Sure, there's been some wide-open guys we've missed, but it's also tough just dropping back, looking over the field and just not seeing anything and just not necessarily being able to get into your groove that, uh, hey, this passing game is clicking. It's third and seven. I love my scheme. I know I'm going to have a couple of options. That didn't happen over the last couple of years on a consistent basis. And, you know, if you think of last year, 90% 90% of big plays were to the tight ends. I mean, we had very few big mm-hmm. plays to the wide receivers. So 
I agree that Stanley, uh, and he'd be the first one to say that he could be more accurate, but I do think the system has to play a role in it, and I do think um, he's going to be better at it this year because he's got a better group of wide receivers around him. So um, Stanley's issues, system, and wide receiver talent are three factors, not just Nate's arm and his, his accuracy. We'll see. I think he's a, I think he's an NFL guy. I've said that all along. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a first-rounder, but uh, I think his game is only going to get better. I think the other piece is, is that I don't think, you know, it's just Kirk's approach, but I don't think we know how uh, banged up his hand was the last four or five games of the season. And that's where some of the inaccuracy was coming to. He, he wasn't 100% in a Northwestern right. game. He was clearly, um, you know, not throwing the ball well. And that's, you know, he's trying to gut it out. It'd be nice to know that his hand was in bad shape and, you know, it would take some heat off him. But Kirk just does not talk about quarterback injuries. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. So uh, um, I, I think, I think you know, he'd probably take a ball back here or there. But I think he started off this year awfully well from an accuracy standpoint. Yeah, we brought that up with him in Chicago, Stanley, in his, in his injuries from last year. And you're right, he's a, he certainly wasn't using it as an excuse. But uh, there was clearly something there. Speaking of having something there, uh, Chuck Hartley, Tyler Linderbaum, this new center that's uh, merged on the scene, such an important position on that aff- offensive line. Linderbaum has blown me away with his play. Now, Ray Lima is an entirely different beast this week. Ray Lima is a terrific nose guard. He's going to be a major pain in the butt. But Linderbaum hasn't flinched. He looks like his future. I mean, how good could this kid be? They've got something there, don't you think? <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I don't think people have any idea of the mental aspect of playing center and making quick line calls, making adjustments, keeping all five guys on the same page, and then doing everything you need to do from a blocking standpoint. I mean, you don't get your hands right up. You're snapping that ball back. I mean, this kid's amazing, and his accomplishments already are huge now. It's going to be twice as hard on the road, and you're right. There's going to be more talented uh, tackles for him to go against. But uh, hats off to Kirk and Brian and, and Coach Polisek from the standpoint that uh, they've really got some good talent along that line, and he's uh, one of a cog that hopefully we can keep. No, it's probably only going to be three years for him, yeah. but uh, three or four years at center, that, that'll be huge. No, no doubt about it. What have you seen different from Brian Ferentz in two games? Are you seeing a growth out of his play call position? What do you see from Brian Ferentz? Well, we're getting out of the outside zone under center. I mean, and uh, we're not doing those uh, audibles anymore. I think we're getting a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, proactive in the run and pass game. I, I see a ton of things that are different. Um you know, I think we would have probably two or three years ago, we were probably 80, 90% pass out of shotgun, and now we've got a balanced attack. And so we're becoming less predictable, and uh, it's taking pressure off the players. And, you know, I just think it's a big, big change. Now, does that continue? I, I would think so. And um, I, I think it's working wonderfully. And I, I don't know why we didn't do it two or three years ago, mm. but, uh, you know, more shotgun. Um, Less outside zone. You know, we've got that misdirection uh, um, play that we've used off out of the eye. I just, it's amazing what we're doing. And um, you know, I, I give credit to Brian, but I give credit to Kirk too because this is far and away the best offensive staff we've had, I think, in the last ten years. I think Copeland's doing a great job at the wide receiver position. Polsek brought up, brought over all kinds of good schemes and approaches. I think from an offensive line, offensive coordinator position. And then uh, the, the running backs coach, I think his name's Foster. He's been—I I think he's probably brought a lot. So 
we're peaking from an offensive staff standpoint, and I think there's four heads in the room that are doing a great, great job, and you know we're seeing it on the field. So we didn't have that three or four or five years ago. Uh, we didn't have that depth at the coaching staff, and uh, that's what's going on right now. And so you combine that with the recruiting classes they're having, and I think you can feel awfully optimistic about what's going on. Chuck, let's take us inside this rivalry with Cyhawk Week upon us and when it came back after being dormant for a number of years there in the, the mid-70s, of course, there was tons of hype around that one. But you were in the era when you were playing, when it was Iowa domination. What was that week like during that time there during the late 80s? Uh, you know, that's not a fair question because I'll answer it poorly, uh, Trent. I, I just, you know, it wasn't it wasn't much of a week back then because mm-hmm. it just was, it was a different uh, level of play and it just, it just was another game. And, right. You know, I think it was tough for us to adapt probably 10 or 20 years ago when, you know, uh, McCarney got it going against us and, and leveled the playing field some. So, you know, it really was a whole home game back in the 80s. Um, you know, we, Coach Fry, and I got to talk to the team about five years ago. Coach Ferentz asked me to come over, and what I told him was Coach Fry would get in front of the team every year because he knew that even the kids from Chicago or the kids from Texas – it was hard to get up for the game. It was hard to focus because it was a three and seven. It just wasn't a very good team. But the thing that always stuck out to me was if you don't respect the rivalry, he asked every player that was born in the state of Iowa stand up. And he said, if you don't respect the rivalry, if you're having a hard time getting in this game, I can promise you that this kid from West Branch or that kid from Fort Dodge, he's got to go back and live it for the rest of this year, for the rest of his life. And I don't necessarily need you to play for Ames, the game over there, but I want you to play for the Iowa-born kids. Mm. And that stuck out to me, uh, and it made a big deal. And then he'd always have, you know, the Marv Cooks or the Dave Hates or those guys that were Iowa guys, and they got up and talked about how they didn't want to hear about the crap in the bars back home. (laughs) They wanted to go home and and stand tall that they won five in a row against these guys. And so that was a great week just hearing from the Iowa guys because I'm three hours away, but I didn't really respect mm-hmm. the rivalry coming in. And, you know, we won five straight and it wasn't a problem. But, you know, I think that's the thing that, that hopefully he does more of now and um, the guys kind of get is it is a big deal to the in-state kids. And um, obviously Iowa State's a great program now and are, are hitting on all the right cylinders. So if they don't have your attention now, you got a problem. But, I also think it's about having pride in your teammates and your friends that are Iowans that are going to live this thing down if you lose uh, in the coming years. So, you know, I talked to a couple of them this summer, and they know that they've won four in a row. They know that they're on a roll, and I think that that's great, great momentum because I think the senior group really, really wants to say they've won five in a row. Hmm. Your playing days are, I hate to remind you, 30 years behind you. Uh, but So uh, what, is, what does it mean now to you, Chuck? Do you like this week as a guy who lives in central Iowa? Do you like this week? Um, do you get what Cyhawk means now and the level that it's at? A hundred percent. You know, I, I don't mean to be disparaging. It was what, what it was. No, it was 15 it in a row when you were playing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, but now, I mean, I've got... I've got just as much respect for Iowa State and their fan group as Iowa's because they've got a bigger uh, challenge. They, it, 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 what they've done is amazing, and that fan base is as good as it comes. And so I'm really happy for that whole group. And, 
I mean, what I, my line is is that you don't see this in Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, even Illinois. Second, third best programs can't compare to what you have in Iowa. And Kansas struggles. I mean, what Iowa has going on right now is amazing, and it doesn't get talked about enough. To have a second significant team in Division One doing well, especially with the lack of us having a, a mm-hmm. big urban city to recruit from and a big population to raise money for. Sure, we don't have a pro team, but what the Iowa and Iowa State fan bases have accomplished is amazing. And I really hope that game day brings it up and makes a big deal out of it because you can't get it done in Minnesota. All of our surrounding states can only support one D1 football program. And this great state of Iowa is supporting two plus a nice Northern Iowa team. I think that's beyond amazing, beyond amazing. And says a lot about the Cyclone fan base and the Hawkeye fan base. Well said, Trent. Final thing for me, uh, Chuck, and as you look at this environment, it's Jack Trice is a different stadium than what you saw when you were playing. But when you go into a tough road environment as a quarterback, not just what you're here and, and the loudness there, but what are some of the things that you have to do as a quarterback, guys that have never played a moment like this, especially early on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big deal, and that's where we should have an advantage. His family should just be cool. Just chill. Just be that, that calm voice in the huddle and not be the guy that makes a mistake. Don't miss the open guy. Obviously, no turnovers, but just be that calming voice and confidence. Um, that That's a huge, huge deal because these other guys are going to get rattled. They're going to be riled up. That, you know, Some guys will be too jacked up, and some guys will be uh, too tight. Um, but Stanley should go in very calm and confident, and, and this is where his leadership really needs to come out. And then wherever the, that leadership is on the, the defensive side, the same thing. is. And this is where the Coach Farron's strength comes out of four quarters, take on the next play, don't be too amped up, don't be too low, just a nice steady deal. And th- this is where he should really shine. And that's why I think he does have games that are better um, on the big stage because – it's really when it shows up well is, is you keep your poise, keep your poise, keep your poise, and I'm confident they will on Saturday. It's going to be a fun game. Chuck Hartley, thank you for doing this as always. We will talk to you in a few weeks as we get closer to the, uh, well, certainly the month of November. We'll know a whole lot more about this team than we do at this point. Thank you, Chuck Hartley. Great catching up with you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Chuck Hartley, a former Hawkeye signal caller, part of the program five years, started uh, 87 and 88. Well, not a 15-year run. Not 87 early, though. That was the year that Dan McGuire. Oh, McGuire, you forget about that. Got the start of the kickoff classic against Tennessee. A pitch got intercepted and run back the other way, and they lost in a last-second field goal to the Vols. He took over a little bit later. It was like a four- Headed race to take over for Chuck Long. Hartlieb in the end won out. Indeed he did. Mark uh, Vlasic also yeah, involved. I was going to say, Mark, what was his last time? I couldn't think of his name. Indeed he was. He played in the NFL for a he, little bit of time. He collected a Absolutely good paycheck. Did. He did. There's some, uh, well, I have to tell you, Quinn Early on that mm-hmm. team, Marv Cook on that team, Merton Hanks on those teams. Star power. Indeed. But boy, going up against Merton Hanks in practice, you'd have to, <laughs> that would have to get your attention, wouldn't it? Whew. Chuck Hartlieb's numbers, too, were really good throughout his career. His two years as a starter. I mentioned the accuracy, 65.6%. Is that what he was? And in a time when you're taking shots up the field a lot more, it wasn't the dink and dunk kind of stuff. Those are prolific numbers. 400-yard passing day against Indiana. He has some big numbers still in the record books in Iowa. 
Austin Arnaud's still to come. We will uh, catch up with a former Cyclone signal caller. Austin Arnaud about 1140. Uh, Miller and Condon, we continue on the 11 o'clock hours next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.